There we go. Over and over again, uh, God has told us in his word that we need not fear. Fear not, the scripture says, 365, some people say 366 times. Uh, and we all know that when God says something more than once, it must really be important. Not that it's not important if he only says it once, but uh, he understands who we are and he knows that saying it more than once, just the way it is. How many times do you tell your granddaughter to say not to do something and uh, it, you know, you got it. So you know what we're talking about. So we're here today. We're going to be talking about uh, fear in a fear of what? The fear of not having enough. So I'm going to get very personal with you today. And you're going to say, oh, is he talking directly to me? And if I happen to look at you when I say something, it just, it's your turn for me to look at you. It's, you know, I'm, I, I try to get eye contact with the whole group. Uh, and so if, if it just lies up that way, that's the Holy Spirit working. So, you know, if I penetrate into your heart, praise God, I've done what I came to do today. So let's pray together. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this day. And as we look now to your word concerning this subject, help us, guide us, lead us, make a path for us in order that we might come the other side as victors. And we thank you and we praise you as we go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to tell you a true story about me. Uh, that's going to be kind of a review about last week. Because last week we talked about the fear of, <clears throat> of rejection, the fear of rejection, uh, in our inner dealings with other people and, uh, a fear of feeling lost. And so, uh, I want to give you an illustration of that that happens even at the lofty high areas of pastordom. Did I say that correctly? I think I might have. Anyway, years ago, uh, we were in another church, and I'm not going to mention churches or names uh, except mine, uh, because it is a story that I am not making up. I didn't read it in a book. This happened. Uh, my pastor was going to be gone. I don't remember why now, but he asked me to fill in and to, and to do the speaking at the service the week that he was gone. Count conference or I don't even know. I don't remember. And that's not important anyway. So I did. I, I spoke in his stead that Sunday. Well, the following Sunday, he was back. And we were uh, t- talking during like a fellowship time. I was mentioning to the pastor a, a thing or two because he and I were talking. And someone, like someone from the congregation, came up to the two of us and he looked at me and he took my hand and he shook my hand and he said, this is by far the best message I've ever heard in my entire life. And I don't think I'm exaggerating what he was saying. And of course, I I immediately kind of out of the corner of my eye, and I'm using Shirley as the example, I was kind of looking at the pastor's reaction to what he was saying to me. And I, it was written on his face. He couldn't have written it plainer in 20-point bold off of the computer than what he was thinking at that time, that I was better than he was in what pastors, I mean, that's their central thing to do, right, is to share the word on Sunday. And so 
after that time, our relationship changed. His and my relationship changed. Now, I, I never did talk to him about that. And I never, and I, maybe I should have said something, uh, cause usually I do, cause when somebody praises me that highly, I usually say, well, you should have been there with me as I was wrestling with the Holy Spirit to get the words together. You know, something, something to that degree, which of course is true, which is what I do. Uh, <clears throat> but after that time, we never had a good relationship. And several times he was gone for this, that, or the other thing. And I can't say for sure, but guess who didn't speak at any one of those several times after that point? Uh, and that's sad. That is sad because what he, what he experienced in that quote, not meant to be a rejection, just a praise of, hey, you did a great job last week. Thank you very much. But he did kind of overdo it. I mean, the best message I ever heard in my entire, you know, come on, give me a break. Uh, I hear my messages sometimes. I listen to make sure that the tapes work. And I, you, really? Uh, come on. Anyway, there it is. Rejection happens to all of us, and we kind of feel it. And you need to put it in perspective. You need to understand, like, if a situation like that occurs for you, you're the best employee this company has ever had, or whatever it might be. I've had chili and chili and chili, but yours is the very best. <coughs> Sorry, honey, but that's the way it is. <laughs> you know, you've got to be careful how you do those things. Rejection. The fear of rejection. And when we put ourselves in the proper position, biblically speaking, that rejection really doesn't occur. Because, as we talked about last week, we talked about God being in first place. We put God in first place. God's always in first place. Where are we? We're actually in last place when you think about it. We're in last place. Think about what you, quote, deserve in the eyes of God. Let's see. The wages of sin is, uh, I'll think of that word, uh, death. But the gift of God, in spite of you, in spite of who you are, what you've done, et cetera, et cetera, in spite of all of that, God loves you so much that he gave his son. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at <coughs> the fear of, I said it already once, so I need to read it, the fear of not having enough. Okay, that's easy enough. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 35 will be the focus of our scripture today, and you can be turning there if you like. Uh, <coughs> but what's enough for me? I look at my granddaughters. We have two of our granddaughters that we that we see almost every day because uh, we take care of them while their parents are working. And uh, in fact, this actually happened uh, Friday. Uh, Sasha, our seven-year-old, got <coughs> uh, a treat from her classroom, second grade, and uh, she brought it with her because she walks over from second grade to kindergarten because I picked them both up at the same place. So she walks over there and she's eating this treat. And of course, uh, and she immediately said, I, I couldn't get another one for you, Lucy, our five-year-old kindergarten student. And Lucy, Lucy lost it. 
Lucy lost it there. Hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> and she just went crazy. Where's mine? That's, that's the attitude, isn't it? Where's mine? And it's personified in, in little ones. They, because, you know, they don't hide anything, you know. Sometimes we, we, when something like that happens to us, we kind of, we kind of just bite our lip. We, but we ask the, how come I didn't get one? Uh, we were coming, coming back, uh, or we were in Oceanside at our, at the condominium thing that we belong to, the, the timeshare. And, uh, they were throwing away mattresses. They rotate the mattresses, perfectly good mattresses. And it, pardon me? Years ago. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. No, it wasn't this time. Correct. Several years ago. I can't remember how many years ago. Can you? Never mind. We won't go there. It doesn't make any difference. True story. I'm not reading this from a book. <clears throat> and I asked the, the janitor or the, the custodian that was wrestling with these mattresses, well, what do you do with them? And he said, well, we, we throw them away. And I said, well, it just happens that my daughter needs one. And he said, well, here, take it. And so we're tying it to the top of our car because we're packing up, getting ready to leave. And as we are tying it to the top of our car, there's another gentleman that comes down, another guest comes down and he's in the parking structure and he's right there and he's and he says uh how do i get one where's mine where is mine where is mine there's that attitude where is mine i don't know if he really needed one or but hey they're passing out mattresses i might as well grab one while we're here too but there it is enough for me never enough for me young or old doesn't make any difference and all the time we're wrestling with these things. We're wrestling with, with do I have enough to pay the bills? Do I have enough uh, to satisfy the needs of the family? Uh, do I have do I have enough to retire? And I guess all of us have thought about that. Uh, just about everybody in the room, except for our lady that's on call every day. And we're so glad that you're with us again today. Uh, so this time I was talking directly to you, and, and we'll go on. Okay, but it's a driving concern, and it's something that we really have to, to wrestle with. And there's trouble about that, and there's two that I can think of, because when we allow life to not just consist of our possessions, then we look for more and more. How many of you, how many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, have an absolutely stone-cold, empty closet in your house? <laughs> Okay, now, I'm, I'm going to tell stories on, you know, I'm, we'll point me. We don't have any, we have overflowing closets in our house. We created a closet in the, in the, what we call the garden room in the back of our house. So that I, so that I have some place to hang my suits. Uh, we only, we have a two car garage and we've never parked two cars in the garage. Ever. Ever. We've been in that house for over 20 years. We've never parked two cars in a garage. When we bought Shirley's car, and you've seen it, the red Ford that we drive, uh, I promised her when we bought it that I would fix it in the garage so that we could park her car. And we still do. Guess what the, guess what the Lincoln does? The Lincoln lives outside. It's like an outside dog. Out, you know, there it is. It's outside. It's parked in the garage one time. Just one time only, overnight, once, in the entire time I've had it. And I've had it, 
I just did my 25th payment. So that's how long I've had the car. Anyway, so you got the idea. So the garage, and guess what else? We have a storage unit. How many of you can? Yeah, yeah, that's me. But this is my son, Philip. My son, Philip, says if you if you can't remember what's in the box, you need to throw the box away. Well, you know, my mind says, well, I don't know what's in the box, but I'm going to find out. There might be something in there that I really need, right? How many of you are there? More and more and more and more. More and more. No empty closets. We're never satisfied. Proverbs chapter 27, uh, verse 20. Proverbs chapter uh, 27, uh, verse 20 says this. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Make sense? Understand that? Can you acquaint yourself with that? Just a tiny little bit. One more time. Slowly. Okay. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And that's good King James Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. And I copied it right out. Okay. And I put a copyright mark right next to the. Anyway, there it is. So, <clears throat> that it, we're never satisfied. There's an illustration, kind of cute illustration. Uh, in Africa, the ring tailed monkey likes a certain fruit very, very much and likes the seeds from that fruit. And so, what the the natives that are trying to, to collect these for whatever reason, either to eat or to sell to zoos or whatever, this is what they do. They cut a very small hole as, as that fruit is ripening. They cut a very small hole in it so that the monkey can get their hand inside the hole. Now, see the way I've closed my hand up? And the monkey puts his hand in the hole and he grabs as much of the seed as he can possibly grab and he can't get his hand out. He traps himself in the greed of his, well, we'll say hunger, okay? And he'll never let go. And so all our native friend has to do is come along with a net and scoop the little bugger up, right? And there we are. That's the, that's the illustration that we have. That's the illustration about never having enough. Never having enough. Oh, the person across the street, they have a brand new car. And what, I brag on my car and we joke about that. But, yeah. Stop that. This is on tape. It's being taped right now. But my car is a 2009. It's 10 years old, my car is. And I have no desire to make it any younger than 2011 because I like the body style of that car. And 2011 is the last year of that body style. So the best I can do is 2011. But as long as the, as long as the car is functioning as well as it is, my 2009 is the best car on the road. And one of the most exciting things for me in that car is I was driving uh, down the street near my house and there was a young a young person, I think it was a girl, uh, getting out of middle school, 
which we live near, and she was walking home, and I was driving by, and she she looked over at my car, and I happened to have the window down, and she said, great car. Mm, I love that girl. Never saw her again. But there it is. I love that car. So I'm not one. I don't have the monkey's fist. Uh, I'm I'm fine. So life consists of possessions, but this shouldn't, because never satisfied is number one. But you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You've heard this before. Hearses do not have a trailer hitch for your stuff. You don't have a trailer hooked onto the back of the trailer hitch. You just don't, uh, to the back of the hearse. You don't. Somebody asked uh, the uh, the attorney for Rockefeller uh, how much he left behind when he passed away. And the attorney said, everything. <laughs> everything. It all stays here. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 21, reads this way. You'll love it. I'll read it King James and then I'll give it to you living. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom, in knowledge, and in skill. That's somebody that's gathering the things of the world. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This is also vanity. Vanity means uselessness. That idea of leaving it for his portion, you're going to leave it to somebody. You're going to leave it to your kids. You're going to leave it to charity. Or you're doing something with it, uh, you know, or just leaving, period, and let the courts decide what's going to happen with it. Uh, there's, there's that situation going on as well. So <clears throat> this idea that uh, we're gathering all of this stuff, and I'll have to admit that, it, how old am I? I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but I'm as old as most everybody in the room, uh, or more. And I'm, I, I am becoming more like my son Philip than I used to be. There, I'm much freer with throwing things away or dropping them off at Angel View. It's, it's happening. Well, I was, hey, (laughs) I made room for your car in the garage, lady. So don't give me a break. Okay. But you can't take it with you. You can't. And then the third thing, it's just wrong. Because the main thing, the most important thing, is your relationship with God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters. You've heard this before. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, of course, is the world system. Okay, are we going to live by the world system or are we going to live by what God has suggested that we do? That's what we're talking about. So, let me read a couple of verses that I ask you to, to have uh, prepared. Uh, and that's uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And beginning in first. Where are we? Oh, here we are. I had... There's quite a few verses, and I have to turn it this way to read them. Okay. Jesus speaking. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. What's covetousness? Wanting. And with capital letters, right? Wanting. Wanting. 
Maybe. But thank you. Appreciate that. Not in the abundance of things which he possesses. <clears throat> For a man's life consists, consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Got it? That's not the essence of life, is it? And one of the things that we're learning in Bible study, one, and one of the things I'm so excited about uh, in the commercial that I gave you a little while ago, is the focus of this survey of the Bible. <clears throat> it's not a matter of the stories. It's not the stories. It's not that once upon a time there was a guy named Adam. It's not once upon a time there was a guy named Abel and Cain and Cain killed Abel. It's not a story. It's not a storybook. But yes, it is. The stories are there. But the purpose of the stories is to illustrate the links to which God is willing to go to have relationship with you, with me. That's what's exciting. And so as you take these stories that illustrate his love in spite of you, even though while we were yet sinners, there it is again, New Testament verse, but going back and looking at Old Testament characters, I'll pick on David because I just have to say David and you already have, you kind of got it, the idea of what's going on there. Uh, David did it all. <laughs> as far as all the no-nos, David had, he listed them all and he could put a big heavy check mark next to each one. He didn't have to just, ooh, well, maybe I might have done this and maybe I didn't. No, no, no. Boom. Oh, got that one. Got that one. It's almost like he had a checklist. Okay, now it's time to do number five. Now I'll do number six. Let's see. If I do number seven the right way, that'll cover about three or four of them. And if you remember your numbers, you'll know what I'm talking about. So there you are. There, that's the idea. That's what we have here as we, as we go through. So going on. And he spoke a parable unto them saying uh, this. And the parable goes this way. He thought about his problem. Who is the, what's the problem? The problem is we've got a man that has so much that he can't contain it. And so this is what he's going to do. I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. You see, my garage and my closets and my storage container. And some of us have storage containers in two states going on. Then I'll have room enough. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. So I've got my retirement taken care of. Wine, women, and song for you. But God said unto him, fool, tonight you die. Then who will get it all? That's living Bible. King James says, uh, I'll read the King James. Come on. God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then those who... Uh, who shall, I can't even read, which thou hast provided, then who shall those things be which have been provided? There you go. It, you're not taking it, so guess what? It's there. Somebody's going to have to go through my garage and throw away all that valuable stuff that I couldn't throw away. Got it? You're going to come over, you're going to line up that, you know, right after the memorial service, you'll come by and yeah. Anyway, you got the idea. There it is. 
beautiful illustration of what we're talking about. And I think every single one of us, to one degree or another, can place ourselves uh, in that situation. So, it's wrong. Because why is it wrong? Number one, because we've put something higher up than God. I'd rather have this that I can store in the garage than a relationship with him. Wrong. We're relying on self and not on God. Think about your prayer life. Do you pray about everything or most things? Do you pray when it's going good? Or do you wait until there's a calamity in your life, like there's one in ours right now, and Shirley mentioned it earlier. <clears throat> we got a couple of calamities going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's that, oh, oh, by the way, God, here's Martin. I know I haven't been here in a while, but I got a situation now that I can't handle. I've been doing pretty good all the way up to here. But now I got a situation that only you can handle, so pay attention, I'm here. Don't pay attention to anybody else. Focus on me. Focus on me. Is that our prayer life? When we pray? Or do we are we able to pray in all things? Do we pray in all things? Self reliance. Self reliance does what? It causes worry, doesn't it? Going back again. Do I have enough to pay my bills? Do I have enough to do I have enough? Do I have enough? No, I don't have enough. They have more across the street. That's not fair. I'm a better person than that person across the street. I should therefore have more. I'll have to go get another storage unit. <coughs> Self-reliance causes worry. And it is the world system. The self-reliance is the world system. And that makes it a difficult thing because we're, we're, we're in that system here. The capitalistic system, and I'm not knocking capitalism because that's, of all of the systems, it's the best one. You know, I'm not going to argue that at all. But <clears throat> there's a way in which we can operate in the capitalistic system and still honor God. And it causes, and it makes us go back and do what? It makes us put God first. Who is the priority in my life? When Jesus said, you love me more than you love anything else, more than anyone else, you love me more than your wife, more than your mother, more than your, and so on, and so on. You can read the scripture for yourself. That is what we're talking about. God is first. I've mentioned this before. When Shirley and I were in counseling just before we got married, the pastor drew a triangle, like a pyramid. And he put Shirley at the end, at the bottom of one side of the triangle or the pyramid. And I was at the other. God was at the top. And he said, as the two of you get close, grow with one another and become closer to God, who else do you become closer to? And Shirley and I have used that our entire married life. Now, does that make us perfect people? Absolutely not. Have we fallen off the pyramid a couple of times? You better believe it. Two, three. No, I don't know that we can count. But there it is. But the idea is doing what? We're striving towards the pinnacle. And the pinnacle is what? God. God is first. God is first. 
God knows your needs. And that's the big point because God knows your needs and you're all willing to lip service and say, yes, God knows my needs, but he's not paying attention. He's busy in Iraq right now. God knows your needs. God will provide for your needs. God is love. God knows your needs and he provides for those needs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 56. Let me read that to you. Uh, uh, Pardon me. Uh, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and learn not unto thine own understanding. And in all ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That's worth saying again. Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. What is that? That's putting God first, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. Well, how in all ways acknowledge him? How do I do that? Well, I got an easy answer for you. Do the Ten Commandments. That's how. And that's why he gave them to you. That's why they're there. So that you have a very clear, well-lit path in which to take. Is it an easy path? Not necessarily. We stumble. We we have trouble. There's, there's little side roads that, ooh, that looks like a nice road to take, etc. And, and we need to get away from that. We need to get away from that. The better way is Christ. The better way is Christ. God gives. We talked in in Bible study this morning. There's a third reference to Bible study. Uh, my, My favorite giving verse in all of the Bible is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. That's where God reached down and made a mud pie out of Adam, okay? From the dust of the earth, he made Adam. And then he took that lifeless doll, that lifeless mud pie, and he reached down, and the scripture says he breathed the breath of life into Adam. Close your eyes and picture that from a physical standpoint. God got down on his hands and knees, put his mouth over your nose, and blue, artificial respiration, right? No, is that correct? Did I say it right? There it is. That is what God did to get it all started. God loves you so much that he was willing to get down on his hands and knees in the dirt and blow in your face in order that you might live. Wow. God loves you. And there's a trade. There's a trade uh, with God because God trades sin for pardon. First John 1, 8 and 9. If you don't, if you have no sin in your life, you're a liar. That's verse 8, my paraphrase. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guess what? That's why we could say cleaner and whiter than the driven snow, etc., etc., because we have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. So we've traded our sin 
for his pardon. And he's traded our strife for peace. Our strife for peace. Philippians chapter 4. Can't remember the verses now. Let me, let me look at them again. I don't want to, because Shirley's already doing the click ticking dime bomb business. Don't worry about anything, it says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience what? God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. In Ephesians, it says, He can provide for you beyond all that you ask or even think. That's the God that we're talking about. That's the God that we're talking about. So strife for peace. Self-reliance for provision. He provides the provision and all of the richnesses, all of the riches are because you have Jesus. It's all because you have Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life for those that are willing to do what? To bow their knee and humble themselves before the Lord of Lords. And we talked about that last week, I think. And King of Kings. King of Kings. That means I'm the king over all the kings. Which is what all the kings in the world, in the worldly sense, kind of want to be, don't they? I'm in charge. Everyone, everyone answers to me. Everyone does answer to me, saith the Lord. Everyone does answer to me, saith the Lord. So rich because you have Jesus. Jesus has come for you. Jesus has come for you for what purpose? For the very purpose that God got down on his hands and knees in the Garden of Eden and blew into Adam's face. What a paraphrase that is. There it is. So, therefore, I, sh- I don't have to fear having enough. I don't have to fear having more. I don't have to worry about my portion as opposed to your portion, as opposed to your portion. As I look around the room, I say, I'm a better person than that. You know, and now what are we doing? We're actually, you know, elevating ourselves. I'm better than they are. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And so therefore, if I'm better than you, I should have more than you. But you have more than me. That's not fair. Nobody said life was fair. God is. Life isn't. But there it is. So life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put God first in your life. By putting God first in your life and doing so judiciously, Every minute of every day. You pray 24 hours a day. If you're awake 24 hours, you're praying 24 hours. God's sitting next to you in that chair next to you every day, every minute. And so you can talk, open dialogue. Excuse me a minute, Shirley. I'm talking to God. Ta-da. And back and forth. And there you are. When you have that attitude, it's really kind of hard. And the, the song that we sang, one of my favorite songs. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Are you listening to me? 
and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, I have actually memorized a song. How about that? Or the chorus, anyway. But there you are. And that's what it's all about. Can you do that? Can you turn your eyes upon Jesus? Look full in his face. Look completely full in his face. That's the idea of completely taken up with that person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking full in their face. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm looking full in Shirley's face right now. I don't see anybody else. That's what the song is saying. Look full in his wonderful face. And when you do that, the things of earth, this business of striving, this having the newest car on the road, and et cetera, et cetera, getting another storage unit for all the crap you're going to buy on the, online. Ooh, I said a questionable word. We'll go strangely dim in the light of what? His glory, His grace, His glory towards you, His grace towards you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Okay, let's stand up.